Blog Talk Radio. General Quarters, Security Condition 3. Thank you. Security 3, sir. General Quarters 3, Intruder Alert. GQ 3, Intruder Alert. Well, good evening, friends. Welcome once again to Madame Perry's Salon. The cultural salon was the genie bottle floating in. I am your host, spiritual advisor, and groove mistress, Madam Perry. You can call me Jennifer, Jan, JP, Perry. You don't have to call me Madam. I'm just glad that you're here and I'm here. And I want to thank, I've got new followers on different uh, platforms, um, excuse me, different podcast apps. Thank you so much. Uh, My Spotify people are following and I am just so grateful, grateful to everyone. Um, If I'm drifting away from the mic, I'm just having to uh, rearrange the cushions here. Oh, let's see. It has been so much fun, I swear. I don't know what I did to deserve everybody here, but it's like every show gets more and more fun to me, and I'm so grateful, and especially for the listeners that give me suggestions and call in. one, Jennifer Dunn, filmmaker, oh, fantastic, so definitely keep up with her. Also, um, who else recently that everybody loves so much? Oh, uh, Brandy Stilwell. Oh, my gosh. Now, some people, she's one of those people that you know her work, but she's kind of behind the scenes, so you don't always know maybe who it is. Uh, she's written for, and she's done script supervisor work, writing, uh, for TV shows like uh, Family Guy, American Dad, different things. Uh, she's also uh, worked for DC Comics as a writer and even created a character during one of her uh, improv shows. I don't remember if it was Second City or The Groundlings. I think she's worked with both, but uh, called a Sasquatch Detective. And, yeah, so now Sasquatch Detective, uh, well, well, had a comic book put out by DC Comics. But now, oh, I know, now Brandy's got a book called... None of this is going according to plan. And if you heard her here a few weeks ago, the woman is hilarious. So thank you so much, Brandy, for writing a book. <laughs> even, though, even though it's the crazy things that have really happened to you, we all need a laugh, sister. And we all need to know that we're not alone. Uh, tonight's guest, well, we thought we'd be here, but it looks like since this is his first time to the genie bottle, um, I think his uh, transporter, his transporter beams a little off. His um, or spaceship, I think he'll be here. I'm pretty sure, but we've got to look out on the portal for him. And of course, Mr. Sulu, my doorman, will let us know exactly when he's going to get here. So until then, 
I am going to play uh, a couple of spots for some other podcasts that I think you'll enjoy. And while we keep a lookout for um, for Paul Vato's transporter beam. There's no doubt everyone loves true crime podcasts these days. And there's a new podcast that you will want to add to your playlist. Murder Mondays. Host Nicole Simmons travels and interviews victims and families of murderers in South Carolina. She's a small-town girl who's a wife and business owner, and Murder Mondays is a passion project for her. She brings you the facts and personal stories of the people affected by the most heinous crimes in South Carolina. If you enjoy true crime podcasts, Murder Mondays is for you. Murder Mondays with your host, Nicole Simmons, available on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and other podcast players. Add Murder Mondays with Nicole Simmons to your playlist right now. for once. Yes, 
Perfect. I got the new bath bombs today. Each and clove, here we come. Mim and the Anvil makes the best smelling herbal blends of bath bombs. You can order loose or ground herb, added buttermilk, extra large, even ones with hidden gifts inside. There are over 25 essential oil varieties. After today, my body definitely needs some spiritual nourishment and lots of fizz. Her metaphysical blends are soothing in more ways than one. Visit MimInTheAnvil.com today. Make time for yourself. There are over 100 herbal blends of bath bombs. Keep a healthy body and mind. Feed your soul. Visit MimInTheAnvil.com today. If you don't make time for yourself, no one else will. When I Was All Alone, that was from the Chris White Experience featuring Colin Blundstone. Um, As you know, Chris White was on here before. Actually, also his wife, who is a 
musician, an artist. I believe she did artwork for uh, Odyssey and Oracle by the Zombies, and she sang on much of that album. And she's been on here with her book, Know You're Crazy, and not Y-O-U apostrophe R-E, Y-O-U-R, Know You're Crazy, Understand Your Own Special Craziness. And uh, we love Chris White and his wife. Oh, yes, she also has a name, Vivienne Boucherot. Um, And, of course, like I said, that was also featuring Colin Blundstone. So, see, though they're not in a band together anymore, they're still friendly. They're still working together, and it's great. And I um, um, somehow gave Chris White, he had heard that I was uh, had a ukulele, so I'm uh, still working up that Chris White tribute band. So anybody that wants to join me, let me know. Anyway, as I was saying earlier, my guest tonight is Transporter Beam. I said hadn't actually made it, but I think what happened was, as I put on face, that he is such a gentleman. Because not all famous people are, you know, can be rude as we hear they are. This guy is such a gent that he probably wanted to finish his uh, cigar outside the genie bottle before he came in. So let me... Bring him in now. I know he's here. I think, uh, yes, let's see. All right, all right. I'm so delighted to welcome for the first time, and dear goodness, hopefully not the last, to Madam Perry Salon, actor, entrepreneur, podcaster, uh, voiceover artist, and all-around <laughs> talented and very funny man, Mr. Paul Vato. Welcome to Madam Perry Salon. Oh, Madam Perry, thank you for having me. It's it's wonderful, and my yes, I have to finish my Vato cigar. I have my own line of cigars, so you know it's a special day. So I thought I'd finish my cigar, so I wouldn't uh, stink up the joint, if you will. Well, you can do whatever you want, but being that this is a genie bottle with lots of pillows and stuff in here and and beaded curtains, yeah, it might have been a fire hazard. But outside of that. <laughs> Okay, and yes, I, I did put, uh, I do believe I put on uh, on Facebook that you were probably having, enjoying a Paul Vato cigar outside. <sighs> so yes, me. ma'am, that is correct. Thank you so much for having me. This is amazing. I, I, love the, I love what you've done with the place. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, let me ask you this. How does, and I know this has become somewhat popular, um, with some people in your profession and show business. Uh, you're an actor, a movie star, a voiceover artist, podcaster, and you have a business, the, the uh, Paul Vato Cigars. I, I, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and lead with that. How did you begin the cigar business? Apparently you were an aficionado. aficionado. Um, yes, yeah, but, but it, it goes back to um, – <clears throat> back to my Chicago days and getting into the cigar business uh, uh, when it exploded here in in the U.S., well, probably the world over. Uh, In the early 90s, there was a a magazine that came out uh, called Cigar Aficionado with uh, the first episode, the first issue, uh, I'm sorry, had, um, I believe it had Fidel Castro on the cover. (laughs) 
And then about two years later, it just the, the industry exploded, and I just happened to get in at the right time. Uh, and so that was before acting. Uh, so I, I guess my, my love has always been business uh, and then acting. Uh, but, you know, business is uh, – acting is a business. It's almost the ultimate business. You know, it's, it's called show business, uh, except now I'm the product. So uh, I've always been uh, – <laughs> now I have to sell myself and, and not take it personal when I hear no, 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 because eventually I'll get a yes. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It is a business, and it is sales, and you have to get out there. And as, as I always say, it's a numbers game. You got to get so many pitches out there, so many no's to get a yes. Um, you know, that one no. hundred. Yes. Go ahead. One hundred percent right. And uh, <laughs> how different is it selling a cigar with your name on it, though, and selling yourself? That, well, that, that, that's pretty unique, uh, you know, because not everyone, of course, has a product uh, that they're proud of, that's that named after themselves, that they've created, that they've cultivated, uh, that they've had their hand in creating, whether it's coffee. I, I equate it a lot to, you know, from the coffee industry or wine or beer, you know, anything that comes from the earth and is handcrafted, uh, I kind of throw myself in there. So, you know, the... The uh, you know uh, even even people uh, that are what's his name like the Rock who has Tramana or whatever he calls his tequila I should probably find out what it is or Dan Aykroyd because I, I know I've actually uh, met Dan a few times and traded cigars for his vodka you know even so someone like him who has Crystal Head vodka is obviously very proud of that you know um, so it's it's great I'm, I mean I think it all goes together as far as branding goes I feel like it's opened a lot of doors you know even before when i was in hollywood and i was acting uh i wouldn't say it right away but if i'm on set and all of a sudden you know the conversation goes to cigars i'm like oh i I have my own cigar brand and you know people are instantly interested because even if they don't smoke or maybe they're even anti-smoking they're like you know what that reminds me of my grandfather or that reminds me of my dad or uh you know what i don't smoke but i know someone that does and my boss smokes can I buy a box and then, or, you know, can you send them a box? I'm like, absolutely. You know, so, so I feel like it does open. I've met a lot of celebrities, especially when I was in Hollywood working as an actor uh, and then selling cigars at um, like after parties or rap parties. I remember uh, at Velvet Margarita Cantina, which is no longer there, but they used to have a drink named after me, the Velvet Vato. And um, I met so many great people like LL Cool J, um, uh, Robert, uh, uh, what's what's his name? Um, he, he was in The Godfather. He played the consigliere in The Godfather. You know, but but just famous people. Uh, uh, Robert Duvall, Bobby, as I like to call him, even though I can't remember his name. <laughs> but but I was I was at the time I was selling uh, Cuban cigars, which you probably well I wasn't selling them. I was giving them away. Let's say that, and. Uh, and he comes up to to the table, and I'm and he goes, oh, he goes, I hear you've got the Cuban cigars. I'm like, yes, sir. He, here you go. I go, you're not a cop, are you? And he goes, oh no, no, I'm just an actor. <laughs> and I, go, I go, Mr. Duval. I go, I know, I go, I know, I know who you are, sir. <laughs> it's like, but uh, so it certainly opens, you know, a, a lot of doors. And at those parties that we had at Velvet Margarita Cantina, you know, a lot of celebrities, Dean Kane, you know, Superman. Um, Megan Fox. Uh, I met uh, I met Minnie Me there. I, I met uh, Vern Troyer. 
I could never get him to smoke a cigar. I think he thought it might stun his growth. So oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Is that too much? Is that too much? <laughs> How old was he about then? <laughs> it hadn't happened yet. <laughs> uh, he was like 50 when he died. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, he was a, he was fun though. Yeah. I you know I always felt like he would be. I never never met him and you know, but I always felt like he would be a fun person. Sometimes you know you think you know what somebody might be off camera, and usually we're far from correct, anywhere far from the truth. But yeah, he seemed like he would be fun. You know, I gotta say, I gotta. Um, <laughs> I like the part what you said because all of a sudden, you know, as a. Uh, as an entertainment publicist, I try to find things to put in um, uh, marketing collateral or or uh, press release to make people talk, something to make people talk. And when you said that about you mentioned cigars and then people, everybody has a story or it takes them back to a grandfather probably or a great uncle or maybe a great aunt that smoked cigars uh, or some kind of story like that. I think that in a way and to me sounds kind of magical. I would have to agree, yes. And, I mean, there's also such a rich history with tobacco. And, it's you know, it's not cigarettes. Cigars are not cigarettes, which are, you know, deadly and full of chemicals and addictive. You know, cigars, yes, they have nicotine, but I, I think nicotine is like caffeine. It's natural. You know, it comes from the earth. <laughs> Tomatoes have nicotine, you know. And um, if it wasn't for tobacco, there would be no United States of America. So if somebody pushes me back, pushes back on me, like, like in a mean way, I, I kind of think that, you know, I would almost uh, drop the gauntlet and say, like, well, you're very anti-American then. Because if it wasn't for tobacco, there'd be no United States. Because, you know, that was our first crop in Jamestown, you know. So it, it, there's this rich history. And Ohio is called the Buckeye State because of the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes were, were the little uh, tobacco um, shops in, in Ohio, you know, the, the places that would cultivate tobacco and, and roll cigars and things like that. So. There's this rich, there is this rich history, but I also get, you know, anti-smoking. And it doesn't, you know, the cigar industry never has appeal to children. Trust me, if, if anyone that's an underage smokes a cigar, they're never going to smoke it again. So if anything, you know, we would help them. But we've, we've never, you know, used publicity to try to get kids to smoke. Trust me, it, 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 you would stop smoking if you did. So I am passionate. Of, that's one of the things I am passionate about. Uh, and then and, and, and the bonus is having my own line of cigars uh, and then being in Vegas and all that good stuff. But, yeah, so thank, thank you for bringing that up. That's wonderful. But I, but I also sometimes don't bring it up because I know it can be another, you know, a divisive uh, topic, if you will. Yeah. Well, you know, these days everybody's got something to say about something. I figure as long as nobody's hurt and you're not taking money out of my purse when I'm not looking to do it, I'm not worried about it. So, Agreed. Agreed. Okay. And and yeah, I didn't realize that but what the Buckeye was and about the and, and about Jamestown. I know my husband said it when he was in uh high school and college in South Georgia that was one of his first jobs was working in the tobacco uh business and loading up trucks, whatever. But let me ask you this. Then yes, but before that, oh and, and yes, it's mighty cool to know that there uh there was a at the uh, a velvet there was velvet, a velvet margarita vodka. cantina. Okay, velvet margarita cantina. The velvet vato. Yeah, what was it the made vel- of? The velvet vato, and it was a delicious. It, originally, it was a delicious mango 
frozen mango mar- margarita. And I always, but my joke was like, oh yeah, it's 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 just it's just like me. It it goes down easy. It's, it's delicious. Uh, and it's a little fruity, you know. So it was good. <laughs> Sweet. Okay, now I want to get to uh, to your incredible acting career. You're a comedian, but I, but you've done some serious acting too. I, I have. I have. I was on a, on a soap opera, uh, The Bold and the Beautiful. I tell people it's probably because I'm both. They're like, yeah, we'll take that guy. He's both bold and beautiful, uh, which is, I say that ironically. Um, well, I am you met bold. the criteria altogether. So. I met the criteria. You know what? I might have to change that joke. I, I met the criteria because I was both bold and beautiful. You know what? I like it. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thanks for punching up my joke. I love it. Oh, sorry. So, so, well, so tell me about us, uh, because so, everybody th- thinks it would be the coolest thing in the world to work on a soap opera. What was it like? And, and uh, I won't ask you for any dirt this time, but mm-hmm. tell me some fun things. Tell me some fun behind the scenes stuff on the Bold and the Beautiful. Well, um, it is probably the coolest thing in the world. I, I, I once had a, another friend of mine who, uh, when Passions was on, he goes, Vato. I got called for passions. He goes, but it's a soap opera. Should I do it? And I was like, yes. I go, what are you talking about? A hundred percent. And I go, you know, <laughs> some, excuse me, some of these people have been on the show for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. And the longer you're on there, the easier it gets because, you know, the writers know your voice and they write in your voice. Mm-hmm. Oh. So I, I feel like the longer you're there, the, the easier it gets. Now, I didn't have many lines, and of course, I'm Latino, so I was a bad guy. I had long hair. I kidnapped Ron Moss. <laughs> we kidnapped some some Latin American country that doesn't exist, like Parador or you know some BS <laughs> country. Uh, but I, I was I was and so I was uh, you know I had a few lines uh, every now and then. I was on for like two months. The storyline ran for a couple months, and people there loved it because you know. Bold and the Beautiful is the same sister property to Young and the Restless, and it's usually about love and fashion and models, and there's never any action. And, and when we were there, I think they still talk about it 20 years later because um, I, I ended up meeting Jennifer. Uh, I, I don't exactly know how to pronounce her last name because she and I did a pilot in Kentucky last year. And it turns out, you know, she's a, she's a star in Bold and the Beautiful and has been for about 20 years. As, when, when I probably, as I was leaving, she came on the show. And, uh, and so she's been there, you know, for 20-some years. Um, but it was so much fun. A funny story from there is they also hired this other guy. And I guess I can tell the story now because I don't think they're ever going to bring us back anyways, even though they left us alive in case they wanted to bring us back. <laughs> Uh, Marcio Rosario, who I think may now be somewhat well-known in Brazil, and I kind of gave away the joke. He, um, uh, not the joke, but the, 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 the premise of the story here. So he, the first day, uh, you know, we're there, we're just, we're talking, and Natalie, is that her name, Natalie Vasquez? She was on, on, on Earl. Uh, mm-hmm. My name is Earl, or she, she, she was the, the star of that show. She was actually, that was one of her, I think one of her first acting gigs. She was also in, in that storyline. Because, again, Latinos, they needed as many Latinos as they could get for this fake country. And um, Marcio tells me, he goes, he goes, can you help me with this? And I look at it, and I go, yes, yeah, in Spanish. I go, I go, 
don't you speak Spanish? He goes, I'm from Brazil. I go, oh. So he told oh. me he spoke Spanish. Uh. And he did not speak Spanish because he speaks Portuguese. And I was, so he, I think he's always been thankful that I kind of helped him with a few lines that he had because, I, you know, and they didn't know. He pronounced it like with a Portuguese accent, but they're like, oh, Spanish is Spanish. You know, they, they didn't know the difference. So I, I feel like we kind of got away with that. Um, and uh, they were so excited because there was all this action. It wasn't just a love story. It wasn't with, I mean, I had a stunt double because there was a fight scene with Ron Moss. Um, and, and then so, so they had the two stuntmen fight. Um, I had a, you know, a scene where I grabbed Ron by the hair and drag him, and, you know, and we had this whole meeting, he and I, before. It was kind of funny. I don't think it's a secret that he probably, that he has plugs. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, he, he and I didn't have any reason really to interact. I mean, you know, he's the star of the show. And then uh, one day I'm in the commissary, and we're, I'm going to, I know that later on that day we're going to be filming my scene. And, and my, maybe it was even for breakfast, because he comes over, he goes, may I sit down? And I was like, why the heck is the star of the show, why does he want to sit with me and have, you know, breakfast or lunch? And I'm like, yeah, of course, please. So we just mm-hmm. start chatting, and then he goes, um, have you done stage combat? He was a little nervous, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. I go, I go. I mean, I know the, I know the, the basics. I haven't done a lot. He goes, well, because, you know, you're going to grab me by the hair. I go, yeah, I go, yeah, no, I go, no, I know, I know. I, I, I'm going to grab you, but you're going to put your hands on top of my hand, and you're going to control the action. I don't really pull your hair. You, uh, you know, you take your, your two hands, interlace them, put them on top of my hand, and then push down. And then, you know, you're the one that, 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 moves, that moves my hand. I don't do – he goes, ah. okay, good. He goes, so, so there's a little secret. I mean, that's a little stage comment. I wouldn't grab another actor by the hair, male or female, and drag him by the hair. They're the ones that kind of, you know, push with their feet and, 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 and hold on, you know. So, so there's no hair pulling. He goes, yeah. He goes, because and he was very like secretive about it. I probably shouldn't say this, but he was like, yeah, I, I have, uh, I have plugs. He was afraid I was gonna pull out his hair. It was expensive. <laughs> well, I can't blame him. Those things are probably expensive. So, I'm sure they were because they look perfect. It's like Ted Danson. Ooh, that's a plug. Um, but that was uh, so. So yeah, I, I spent a couple months on there and. My cousin in Ohio, who was a teacher and, and uh, who since has passed away, she was a school teacher, and she would actually, when the show would come on, she would she would make the class watch it. So, <laughs> oh, that's she so was like, cool. that's my cousin. He's in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day, I, I, when I wasn't working, I was out to lunch, and I happened to look up. I don't remember which restaurant it was, but it was a Mexican restaurant, and I'm sitting there, and I look up, and they're watching Bold and the Beautiful. And I'm sitting there, and I'm eating my food, and I'm, wa- I'm waiting to see if they recognize me. And all of a sudden, the bartender's, like, looking, looking at the screen, and he looks over his shoulder, and he sees me, he looks back at the screen, and then he starts, like, telling other people stuff. I, I see that. Then all of a sudden, somebody comes up, they're like, is that you? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> That's fantastic. Listen, you know, and if I go going through your IMDb page, you know, when you said, well, actually, you know, they needed somebody Latino to be the uh, gangster. Um, yeah, I'm seeing a few other situations like that, you know, in your um, in your IMDb. I'm thinking, yeah, 
Yeah, yes, you always got to have a, you got to have an ethnic person, especially when the shows were even more, um, had a greater density of whiteness. You know, you've got to have somebody. Yeah, now I feel like I'm, I'm, now I'm almost too white to be on TV now. It's like, what happened? You guys passed passed us up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just got a little too white. I've heard of aging out, but not whiting out of the business. I think I whited out. They're like, ah, no, he's not Mexican enough. Look look at this guy. He doesn't even have an accent. (laughs) He doesn't have a sombrero, nothing. Nothing. uh, Nope, nope. By the way, tell me about it. I had posted one of your reels uh, on, I think, on Facebook and maybe on Twitter. And was there a commercial you did as a uh, as a wrestler? I've done several. Yes, yes. But uh, the first one, I think that must have been the first one. Uh, if it's where I'm in a car with another guy, yeah. another actor named Paul, Paul, Paul Renteria. Uh, so what, the, the story, that was for the Texas Department of Transportation. And what, what happened was they wanted wrestlers, but they wanted real wrestlers. And they, uh, apparently they auditioned all these masked wrestlers. Uh, and, you know, they're not actors. I mean, they're actors in the ring and they're physical. And I could never do what they do in the ring. But this didn't call for any action. You saw that. It was basically getting in a car, talking to each other, making a few quips. Uh, So apparently after they got tired of auditioning real wrestlers, they're like, well, we can't find anyone. So then they uh, ended up uh, going with with improvisers, which that was me. And Paul Renteria had just come off of a a Budweiser, Bud Light commercial that had gone like really viral back, you know, like 2005, 2006. I forget what it was, uh, but it was like the Bud, Bud Man or what, whatever that was. He had been in some of those commercials. So uh, he, he was kind of hot right there. And then and me, I had the improv background. So it was for the Texas Department of Transportation. And we're basically – we did it in English and Spanish, which I thought was great. Um, and it was basically to know, know your state uh, and to pay – you know, they wanted you to pay for your sticker. And I'm basically telling Paul uh, I was – Hey, execution. I think I was executioner, and uh, and he was El Verdugo or vice versa. It's been so long, I don't remember. I have to go watch again. He goes, hey, ex- okay, I was executioner. He goes, hey, executioner. Uh, he goes, uh, he goes, I know your sticker's current, and I'm like, oh, you know, you just want people to hate me. He's like, no, no, I know your sticker's current, and and he goes, so so basically, it was like he made me cry in the ring by saying that my sticker wasn't current, and then at the end. I'm crying on his shoulder, and, and he makes me blow my nose. He's like, here, blow. So it was just like a, a funny commercial. But from that then came other stuff. Like I was Pepe Peligroso for um, the Versus channel, which I don't think is around anymore. They, they had a show called Sports Soup, which was like talk soup, but only sports. Mm-hmm. And my friend um, – I have to – my friend. I, I can never remember these names. Now. It's been so long. But he was a host on American Ninja Warriors. And, uh, and I did a, a, a commercial for Toyota with him. And then also he was the host of, of uh, Sports Soup. So it was basically all sports, just like Talk Soup. And I was the Mexican wrestler. I just found my T-shirt yesterday because it literally just said Mexican wrestling on it. Everybody wore all white. The tennis player just said tennis player. Badminton just said badminton. Race car driver or race, car racing or something. So it was like very generic, and mine just had Mexican wrestling. 
And uh, but I had a cape and a mask and all that. So I did a lot of wrestling stuff, but people would probably not recognize me because I was wearing a mask. But it got to the point where they they would cut out the eyes, the very expressive eyes. They would cut out the eyes, and then and then you know I would uh, I would put on a mask, but you could kind of still see that it was me. Wow. So okay, so were you? <laughs> okay. So were you worried at that time about maybe being typecast and that would be you would be a Mexican wrestler forever? Not really, because I mean, I, I but I also see I don't think that there's anything wrong though with typecasting because it it gets you work. You know, if I'm the mm-hmm. go-to guy, then fine, I'm the go-to guy. Whether it's Mexican wrestling or you know the comedic sidekick or anything like that. You know, the, the just like I'm friends with this guy named Noel G. Noel Guglielmi and. He's Hector in Fast and the Furious, but, you know, the joke is, you know, every he's every single, you know, gangbanger in every single Latino movie, but he's worked now for, what, 20-some years. His first big movie was uh, with uh, with uh, Jim Carrey, uh, uh, Bruce Almighty, where he goes, oh, you know, I'll do that when monkeys fly out of my ass. And then, sure enough, monkeys flew out of his ass. <laughs> so, you know, people still make fun of him for that. But, you know, he's worked so long. So I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I mean, you know, people like Tom Hanks and Billy Crystal, I'm sure at first, you know, they were typecast as just comedic actors, but then all of a sudden they have this this long history of just being able to do other films, you know, drama and, and whatnot. So I don't think, I, I honestly, I don't think that there's anything wrong with, with you know, being typecast. It's better than not working. No, heck yeah. Well, listen, speaking of uh, uh, long careers, um there are several shows where you have several episodes, and not just Bold and the Beautiful, uh, but also what Mad TV, Classroom, Rita Rocks, uh, several shows. Yeah. Where yeah, was that? Tell me about. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah, Cedric Dinner's Tinner Presents. And I, I, I feel like there's a few more, but I guess I, I, should, I should read over my own. I never in a million years thought I'd be at the point where I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I. I guess I did do that. <laughs> you know, at the time, it was just so, and it still is exciting at any time that I'm doing something. But now it's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I forgot I did that commercial for Disney. Oh, yeah, I did the Netscape commercial. That I, I'll never forget because I photocopied my butt and I fall into it. But, um, yeah, I, I'm sorry. What was your question about, about these episodics? Let's talk about him. Uh, you worked with well. You worked with Sarah Silverman. Uh, did you like that? Was it fun? How did you? How did she discover you? Or you know, uh, it, it was really through. And you mentioned channel. You mentioned classroom. So classroom mm-hmm. was part of, of something called Channel One Hundred and One, and that was uh, a monthly competition where it was it was uh, like a sitcom where you would you would uh, do a pilot. You know, and they were short. I think it had to be under five minutes or seven minutes. You would do a pilot, and then it was screened in Hollywood next to the Improv Olympic on Hollywood Boulevard. I forget what the what the, the venue was called. And then if if people voted, if you won, then you would make a second episode. You'd make your first episode, then the second and third. So it could go on, you know, uh, indefinitely, or or after two or three weeks, you could be out, or after the first time, you know, if you, your pilot would flop and you would not get to make another one. And that's what where shows like uh, Drunk History came out of. And I don't know if Yacht Rock ever became a thing, but it was big there. I remember there was a guy from even from Wisconsin who would submit. I think he was Chad Vader, who was Darth Vader's brother. But, you know, 
so th- th- there were all these creative shows, but people like Jack Black were there, and Sarah Silverman. Uh, they would they would sometimes guest in some of these, you know, no pay uh, productions that there were. It was just us trying to make something uh, for for the following month. And so sometimes they have a concept. I think um, uh, John John Riley is that his name? I remember he was in a few of them. So they they had some big name actors. But Sarah, I first met back in Chicago when she came out for an improv festival or a comedy festival. Uh, because at the time, I think she was dating a guy named Tom Giannis, who was a director. And so he was a Second City guy. And I, I, I kind of maybe palled up to him. And then all of a sudden, Sarah was there. So I met her there, but she's not the one that got me on the show. Who got me on the show was her director, Rob, because Eddie Pepitone, who's a stand-up comedian, a brilliant stand-up mm-hmm. comedian, was playing the role of the chef at Romanski's. Romanski's is the diner that they would hang out, Sarah and her sister, and Jay Johnston, and uh, who who is kind of persona non grata right now. Because those are some things that came out, which is too bad because I really like Jay. I, I, I'll go on the record and say that I like Jay. At least I did, you know, back when we used to hang out. And uh, and uh, so Rob's girlfriend or wife, maybe girlfriend, I think at the time was like, why don't you call Paul Vato? I mean. So I think she even reached out. She was like, hey, would you be interested in doing the Sarah Silverman show? I'm like, yeah. So I feel like I don't even think I auditioned for it. I just came in, and, and they put me in as the chef. So whenever they had a scene at Romanski's, I was kind of in the background, and sometimes I'd have a few lines or, or like, expressions. When uh, I remember I was in the episode where Sarah uh, pees the bed all the time. And so when Jay yells, like, she pees the bed, they kind of cut to me, and I'm like, what's the F? You know, I'm just mouthing it. <laughs> Uh, but I got to work with Stephen Root, who was amazing, and and you know oh, I think yeah. he's the one that actually gave me the name on the show. You know he's such a giving guy. He goes, "What's your name?" I go, "Paul Vato." So, so he goes, "Okay." So, <laughs> but when they do the scene, he goes, Va- "Mr. Vato, thank you so much." Or I think he just said Vato because I went by Vato Romanski, which I thought was funny. Uh, <laughs> he goes, "This is Vato, the owner of Romanskis or whatever." And I was like, that was so nice of him because, you know, then he named me. He gave, he gave my character a name. I wasn't just the chef. So, <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I would love to thank Rob and his wife that, that got me on the show. Uh, and then, yeah, so I was only on there a few times. I think Matt TV is the one where I had more episodes than, than all the other ones. And, uh, so I, and I love that because, you know, my friends were working on the show. So I was there anyways. So a lot of times they would, uh, and I mean, I still had to audition for the part. They wouldn't just give them to me, but it got to the point where I was in so many episodes that they wouldn't put me in other episodes. Like they would pitch something. They're like, well, let's put Vato in it. They're like, no, he was just on the show last week. And I got to the point where I was like, why don't you guys just hire me? Like, (laughs) you know, I mean, instead of just (laughs) a piecemeal, like just make me a cast member, but it never happened. By the way, when you were talking about you know being, I guess when people just said let's call this guy, uh, without really feeling like had to, you didn't really have to audition or anything. Um, I just want to emphasize that for as an entertainment publicist, I try to tell clients, especially if they're new in the biz, you have to keep on and keep on and keep on and take everything and do a good job every time, no matter how big or how small, for people to remember that's, you and say let's bring this person. That's right. That's right. Yeah, no, you still have to, you know, you still have to bring it, as they say. Mm-hmm. All right, so you heard it from a real professional. All right, talk about Mad TV. Well, um, 
you know, I started kind of hanging out there because, like, my buddy Rich Tallarico, who wrote for Saturday Night Live, I mean, he, he has such an interesting story. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll find out if he wants to come on your show because he is, uh, you know, he, I, I'd love to interview yeah. him as well, you know, on my podcast, Paul Votto Presents. But, you know, he's, he's like this comedic genius that I first met when he was probably like 22 in Chicago, you know, because he was on the main stage uh, at the Second City. And I believe the story goes, I mean, he got offered Saturday Night Live at that age when he was 22, but I, he felt he wasn't ready, and he actually turned him down. And we all thought that that was insane. Like, man, how do you turn down Saturday Night Live? I think they offered him uh, as a writer, you know, which would have been perfect. But he felt he wasn't ready. So he, uh, so a few years later, when we all start making it out to L.A., he ends up on, uh, as a writer on Mad TV. Because of him, that I was, I would, you know, when I got to L.A. then, and then I'm hanging out, and then, uh, you know, Ike Barinholtz, uh, and then Key and Peele, they were on Mad TV, but they, they came a little bit later. Uh, so I'm pretty sure, you know, oh, Seth, uh, I'm sorry, Josh Meyer, Seth, Seth's brother, Seth Meyer's brother, they all ended up on Mad TV. So for me, it, it wasn't that, you know, I would just say, hey, uh, are you taping this weekend? Yeah, all right, I'm coming by. Okay. And it got to the point where I, I pretty much had drive-on privileges where a lot of the writers and producers didn't. So I would – because I'd show up later – in the, in the evening, you know, to kind of in time for the live taping. If it was a live taping, that's when I would show up. So, like, every other week I was there. Uh, or sometimes I was working on the show, and that was great. Um, but I would just pretty much show up and hang out in, in Ike's dressing room. And at the time, <laughs> there was a lot of booze floating around, so we'd sit there, we'd drink. We'd get hungry, we would go eat at craft services, and we were just kind of like that crew. We were the Chicago crew. Uh, Chris Kloos, who, uh, whom I interviewed on, on my show, Paul Votto Presents, he even said, like, he would see us, he'd go, like, oh, the Chicago mooch is on. You know, but <laughs> we were shameless. We, we, we were, like, I mean, we're supposed to be starving actors, so I'm like, all right, let's act like starving actors. Like, let's go eat their food. Let's go hang out. And it was great. And then, uh, especially when I ended up, when I did Cedric the Entertainer Presents, because then it was on the same lot, and uh, and then his parties went even later. He had something called Club Cedric, and they loved cigars. So I would bring cigars over there, and they'd have all the, like, the really good booze, you know, because Cedric was already successful. So so a lot of times I would just go and pop into Club Cedric. They're like, are you working on the show? I'm like, no, no, I was just hanging out at Matt TV, but I, I, I thought you guys were having a party tonight. They're like, we are. Come on in. You know, mm-hmm. I, I got cigars or whatever, you know. So, so I would just basically – I was just kind of like a hanger on at Matt TV, um, yeah, but, uh, but I, you know, I would still audition sometimes for, for these, these roles on there. Mad TV sounds like a, a dream of a starting place as far as camaraderie and creativity um, and the people that you met and the connections and things that were, like, legit. sounds to me like from the people, from things I read and hear, you could make some legitimate friendships and, and good connections there. Yeah, and it was easier to make these connections because I was kind of coming in with the Chicago boys, if you will, uh, you know, the people coming from the Improv Olympic and Second City. Well, I think I had gone off to uh, Boom Chicago, which is which is in Amsterdam. You know, mm-hmm. same with, I think, like maybe Jordan Peele. And mm-hmm. Keegan-Michael Key was coming from, like, Detroit, Second City, and they were already doing kind of stuff. To, I think that's when they really started doing stuff together. 
because, you know, they kind of knew each other. Uh, they kind of had a similar background, and they, and they were writing some incredible sketches there at Mad TV. Um, but, uh, but then it was, it was easier, you know, like it was like you were almost already vetted because if you were there all the time, you know, and then all of a sudden any new cast member would come in, and they were almost like, who the hell is – like, why is that guy here? Why Like, is he on the show? No, but he's here every week. So you would almost get respect from the new players. And I was never, you know, I would always try to befriend them. And I was always nice to them. People like Ron Peterson, who was a brilliant theater actor uh, and he's Canadian. And then people like Will Sasso would come back and and then Mo Collins. I think she was still on the show when I was there. So she and I really became pals. Uh, Paul Vogt then came on. So at one point uh, we were thinking about doing something like Paul, the Vote and Vato show or Vato and Vote. Um, And I played as, I didn't realize I'd forgotten that I'd done drag that far back, but I played his mom in a sketch, which is is on YouTube, but, you know, trigger warning for the use of the uh, R word, fat shaming. I mean, everything you could possibly think of was in that sketch. So, um, yeah, maybe don't watch it right now during pride, but um, <laughs> I asked my agent, I'm like, should I not put it up? They're like, no, you're in it. And, at the time, it was fine, you know. So, so uh, yeah, it's it's uh, like the world's worst car salesman or something. Mad TV, and I yes, just come I in at the end. That. And play. Uh-huh. What's that? No, I saw that, but go ahead. So, yeah, yeah. So I played Paul Vogt's mom. We're both in drag. Uh, I had beautiful a beautiful bosom. Paul had mm-hmm. sad little titties. Is that <laughs> so? <laughs> Sorry, excuse my French. <laughs> I mean, I mean, on that one, you walk. It's when you walk into the scene. It's just like even watching on on the TV, on just on my screen here on my laptop. You just give off a presence and essence with that character that I'm thinking. Oh, I, you can just feel it. It's good. You just kind of step in, give a little glance around, and it's like you feel it. <laughs> This yeah, yeah, is not going to be played with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes it can be too too much, but you know, I think that that character helped then bring out. You know, I, I ended up getting married, and I think that's part of the reason I kind of left Matt TV was because my wife, my you know girlfriend at the time, she was like, "Why, why do you hang out here? Like, you know, if you're not working, you shouldn't be here." And I was like, "Because they're my friends, you know. These are my friends, and I have fun, and then you know, I kind of stay in front of the casting people, and and." Uh, but it, but it was all right because the show I think was already starting to kind of go downhill. Not because of the actors, because they had some great actors like Matt Brunger and I think maybe Johnny Sanchez was on there. Unless he was before, I, I don't remember. But they had great actors. It was just that you know the the show was, was soon to be canceled anyways, and maybe the writing was on the wall. You know, Key and Peele left. Uh, I think Ike and Josh left, and they were kind of a team. So it was kind of like all right, you know, let's. You know, no reason for me for me to to be here, but uh, but out of that, then I I, for, I think it must have been we were already in Vegas when my wife for Halloween suggested I I do drag and I was like oh, I don't think I've ever done it because I'd forgotten that I I did that at Matt TV, and uh, so I came up with this character named Barbara Koa, uh, which if you say Barbara Koa is barbecue, it's delicious Mexican meat. <laughs> So I wanted to be the first straight guy on RuPaul's Drag Race, but I think somebody already did it. And 
that they didn't fare too well, so maybe it was a bad idea. So good, good thing I didn't do it. <laughs> Your wife must be a lot of fun. She was. She was. Yeah, she left me, but thanks for bringing it up. Oh. No, <laughs> you started it. So you know, you're the first person from uh, Mad TV that's been here in Madame Perry's salon. The first was Arden Marine. Oh, I love Arden. Is she fantastic? I, 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 she is amazing. She's so talented. She's so funny. I know she's doing, I guess she's doing maybe stand-up now, and I definitely, I, you know what? No, I know for a fact she is, because I saw her do stand-up. Three, three, four years ago, and I really want to follow her, and, and uh, not in a creepy way, of course, and um, and and maybe go catch some of her shows. So, yeah, yeah, she's brilliant. Yeah. Who else did you have? Uh, and uh, well, first of all, let me tell you about Brand. I mean, about uh, Arden, because I had gotten her book. I had been given her book, uh, Little Miss, um, Little Miss, Little Compton, and. Her memoir biography, and uh, and she was also. I had been watching. Uh, then I started watching her on the Netflix show Insatiable, where she plays a real estate agent who has stolen a Korean baby from a mall <laughs> and raised right. her. But then later on, when the girl grows up and finds out, you know, she tells her, I think it's probably only Art Marine could do. But look, honey, out of all the babies in the mall that day, out of all the Korean babies in the mall that day, you were the one that I chose. So, but anyway, <laughs> but uh, no, also Brandy Stillwell. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, yes. Who, who, I just interviewed on Paul Votto Presents. That's right. Yes, yes. Thank you. And um, Brandy first came to my attention about four years ago with her comic book, Sasquatch Detective, uh, because I was – now, I don't have any cool uh, soap opera uh, fight stories like you, so I'll just say I was sitting outside of a restaurant in Amsterdam when her sister told me, my sister's got a comic book coming out. Maybe you'd want to have her on your podcast. So that's how I met her. And um, – and then, of course, through her, I meet you. But Brandy is hilarious. She she really is. I mean, I mean, she's hilarious in person, you know, as she speaks. But her writing is is at another level. Mm-hmm. Uh, even like, I, I, you know, I can't really judge anyone else's writing, but her her writing is just brilliant. I think she's so funny. Uh, she sent me her book, and it's really really funny. I mean, just the way she tells a story, and uh, even her bio is. Is a fun read. So if anyone has a chance, read Brandy Stillwell's bio and you'll get a laugh. Oh, gosh, you know, yes. We, Go ahead. We were both at the at the Improv Olympic, rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and her book is None of This is Going According to Plan. By the way, before I get to ask you about some uh, uh, movies, what about a book by Paul Vato? It's, I mean, it's 30 years in the making. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I just, I, I need a push. Uh, and and it's, that's the thing, though. It's, it's one of those, I was just at Podfest Expo in Orlando two or three weeks ago. And uh, there were like two or three companies, you know, about self-publishing, one that's, pub, you know, some that are self-publishing, some that were publishing. But one of them where you can like sign up and they'll like push you. You know, they'll get a book out of you. You know, you, you do certain, mm-hmm. but it's not, 
inexpensive. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is, is this where I want to spend my money? I also have a very funny book. Well, it's not really a It's a collection. I call it the Vato Sutra. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I did listen to your podcast sounds- with <laughs> doesn't it? Or in Spanish, I call it the Kama Sucia, which literally means the filthy bed. <laughs> so it, it's the Kama Sucia, a.k.a. the Vato Sutra. And uh, so people, the bilingual people, or, you know, if anyone can kind of understand where I'm going with this. And it's basically a compilation of all these horrible, uh, hilarious, uh, sex moves, and they're explained in detail. So if, if, uh, if you think that, that has potential, that is off, that's 30 years in the making. 30 years ago, I talked to someone because I wanted a cartoonist to illustrate them, but now I'm just thinking I should just put it out as an ebook and sell it for three bucks. I don't know. I don't know if you'd want to be associated with anything well, that I don't know. much in the gutter. You know, you might want to uh you might want to, to try as an e book. I would say if it's got anything to do it'd probably be easier I was gonna say e book or, or paper, but then again, I guess if you're trying to read and and um take advantage of what you're reading at the same time, it'd be easier just to reach over and swipe rather than try to keep a page in place. I'm just guessing. I just So like a PDF, you mean? Well, no, an e-book, because you can have your e-book on the reader and swipe it, but if you've got a hardback book or a paper book, you're trying to look and goes, what do I do now? And you got to turn a page or your page gets messed up. But an e-book, is just, it stays in one place. It won't, the pages won't fly back and forth. All I know is that's what I want to say when I – you know those emails people get that say, um, we've, we've unlocked your password and uh, we've been watching you and the kind of porn you watch, and people would be very surprised. You ever gotten one of those? Oh, I, I, I have. Yeah. I, I have. And, and I'm just like, go ahead, put it out there. Everyone already knows what kind of porn I like. Yeah. And what people, I get those things. And, and we've got video of you doing this. I think your friends would be surprised. Hell yeah, they'd be surprised because it would, apparently it would be my dog doing it. I'm old school. You know, I read my my erotica. I don't <laughs> go on video and watch it. <laughs> that would have to be, it'd have to be the corgi. And how she got her little legs up there, I'll never know. But. Um, uh, I'm just no, saying. You, you just wrote a sketch though in my mind I here's the sketch you open up that email you're like oh my god and you're like send me the video and they send you the video and and sure enough it's you like in your rocking chair reading erotica like, <laughs> like <laughs> under a under the covers or something like you don't uh, see anything but you're you're, you're literally <laughs> just reading erotica like like boring, but wait, what? <laughs> yeah, like those old books that used to be popular that said, uh, "Do what you love, and the money will follow." I have yet to be taking a bath and masturbating and and and, and make any money off of it, you know. Now that was, of course, before that book was that was before videos were popular, and there was YouTube and any of that. But then now I'm not aged out of that, except for people who are really into. Um, Women over forty, but still, I don't know. I don't know. But enough about me and and my career losses. Let's talk about your films. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, let's talk about the films. Let's talk about your movies. Uh, 
Which Do you one? like films better than TV? What is your favorite that you've worked on? What was the first that you well, worked I, on? I feel like, like everybody, you know, that's that's the ultimate goal is to be uh, a film actor, if you will. Like that, that's almost, you know. Uh, but now I think everything has just become so intertwined. Where, you know, uh, you you can sure you can be in a in a film in a movie, but then it's instantly simulcast or streamed on video on demand. You know, so. And that almost used to be a stigma, like, oh man, your your thing went right to video. But after COVID, it's you know during COVID, it was like, yeah, that's the only way we could get it out. I mean, there's there's not this stigma. So I think, of course, the ultimate goal is is to to do as many movies as possible, which I I've not done that many, you know, because of Matt TV and meeting Will Sasso, he put me in his movie, and it was one of these things where where um, wow, I, I after talking out loud, I feel like. I must be horrible at auditioning because a lot of the stuff I've gotten, my friends have just given it to me or, you know, called say, hey, do you want to do this? So, so uh, yeah, I, I better get better at auditioning. And that's the thing, you know, there's a, you know, there are actors that are fantastic actors on stage or on TV or on film, but they're not necessarily the same things. Or actors that are great at auditioning, and, and, but then they fall short when it comes to working on the set. You know, so there has to be, it's almost like golf, I think. There has to be this this beautiful balance and mix of, I man, I can drive, I can chip in, and I can putt. You know, so mm-hmm. so that I, that, that's, I think, uh, with, with acting. So, of course, you know, that first, uh, the fight. Well, but then there was other short stuff that I did with, like, Jason Weiner. Well, no, I'm sorry. I think he changed his name to Jason Winner, uh, who oh. created Modern Family. He had something called uh, Big Handsome Guy and His Little Buddy. I know that I was in that. Uh, but I think that was just a short film. Uh, and then um, who else? Um, oh, uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade. They they had a, a, a movie called Wild Girls Gone. So it was like a, just a funny thing, a funny play on, on Girls Gone Wild. There was this Wild Girls Gone. And I played this uh, Kumano, this guy that – you know, at a bar that bumps into into one of the guys from the UCB, and I think I'm smoking a cigar, of course. But th- things like that, you know, also they were like, hey, will you, you know, it doesn't pay a lot, but you do us a favor. You know, you get a couple hundred bucks or whatever. And I was like, yeah, of course, I would love to be in your project. And then Will Sasso had a movie called uh, – it was ended up being called For Christ's Sake because they, they the, the original name was Effing, Effing for Jesus, I think. I think, and uh, they didn't like that name. But Will Sasso played a pornographer, and he goes to his brother, who's a priest, to um, get money from him so he can – but he has to lie to him. He tells him that he has cancer and he needs money, but he's actually trying to finish making this porno. Uh, So I I played like the sound guy on that, Uh, and uh, so that was that film. And then uh, here in Vegas, maybe four or five years ago, I was in a movie called The Trust with Nicolas Cage and Elijah Wood. Oh, yeah. And that was fun. I got to yell at Nicolas Cage in Spanish, and we filmed it at the Riviera, which is no longer there. I think we were either the last or second-to-last movie to to film at the Riviera, and Jerry, it was Jerry Lewis's last movie that he was in. So it's probably going to be a historic movie, but you know, until now it hasn't gotten, I think, the credit that it deserves. That was, that's for Christ's sake? And you get a name uh, like that, Lance? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I was Lance. So, see, Will was very progressive. I'm Latino, but yet he called me Lance. And I, I remember, you know, kidding him about that. And 
But it was it was it was good. I'm like, yeah, I'm Lance, of course. There can be a Latino named Lance. Yeah, yeah. Where's the uh, oh, and Alex Borstein was in that. Did you work with her on it? Yeah, uh, yes, because her husband directed it. Jackson, I believe, is his name. So Alex mm-hmm. Borstein from Matt TV, whom I probably I'd met. She was already gone, but you know, a lot of times people that were gone would come back. So. Um, I'm sure that I met her at Matt TV and just was, oh, you know what? I was actually, no, I met her in Austin when she got Matt TV. So back in the 1900s, we were in Chicago doing improv, and I put together this Latino improv group called, uh, well, we were called Salsation, and we did, a, we did a, a hit show called Touched by an Anglo. I can't believe that I kind oh, of glossed God. over that. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, touched by an angel was 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 popular then, so it was really topical. But we uh, we had such uh, you know, again, it's one of these things where I don't think it would work now because, like, our closing number, we were the Wetback Street Boys. Um, we were a boy no. boy band. So I don't, and I don't think Latinos would have an issue with it. I think it'd be non-Latinos going like, you can't say that. Um, we, we had who wants to be an American citizen, where the more questions you answered correctly, you know, you go from green card to, you know, eventually full on citizenship. And of course, the Indian guy won, you know, because Indians are so smart. And of course, he had a turban. And we had an Afghani woman who was played by Ramon Charias and, you know, did that, you know, so uh, we had a great show. And we actually ended up going to Austin, Texas to perform at the Big Stinking Improv Festival. Mm-hmm. And that, I believe, is when Alex Borstein got discovered. So I'm, I probably even knew her back then. You know what? I should write a book because, like, these things all of a sudden come back to me. I'm telling you. <laughs> who, right now, who better than you, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Who better than me is the title of my book. Okay. Don't forget the little people like me down here in the South. Um, well, when you, okay. Well, somebody's gonna have to. So somebody's gonna have to uh, publicize it. Yes, and that's yes, and and I, I volunteer for the job. I mean, I, I got my, I got my hand up right here. I'm I'm gonna bid on this oh, job. Oh, wonderful. Perfect. Uh, Perfect. What kind of accent did you have in almost Vegas as Chef Ivan Ivanov? Wow, you know what? I even forgot about that. So that was a pilot that we did in a casino down by almost the border of Mexico and, and, and like in San Diego. Uh, I, I have a Russian accent because I am Ivan Ivanov. Ivan Ivanov. And I have a Russian accent. Whoa. That's good. That's good. I've got Russian and Ukrainian friends. That is so good. But of course, you're a professional. That is good. Was that fun to do a different accent? (laughs) Great. It was a great fun. We drink a vodka. I uh, I make a sausage. It's spoiled, but no worries. No 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 problem. 
<laughs> you know, you, I, I know I've kept you longer than I said I would, and I apologize, but, it's, it, you know, I'm going to say it, it's your fault. You're so much fun. But two more things if I can ask you. There's a couple of things here. I don't know, though, if these are uh, – they're in, uh, according to your IMBD, these are on pre-production. Uh, Wild Women of Burlesque, where you play a male gangster, and The Home, where you play a chaplain. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah. That's where I met Jennifer. Uh, if you look on the home, uh, and, and if you can pronounce her last name, that'd be wonderful. Uh, mm-hmm. Jennifer from Bold and the Beautiful, who's been on for like 20 years. She's like a, a main character on Bold. Um, so yeah, I play uh, Chaplin, a Chaplain. A do I, I do I have a name? I must have. You know what? I was worried that I didn't remember things from 20 years ago. Now I don't remember shit from a year ago. So uh, mm-hmm. I think I am getting old. It just um, says Chaplin. Chaplain. Okay, so so I'm a chaplain, chaplain, and I am a crooked chaplain, and I don't want to give it all away, but basically we work in a one-star rated old folks home. So <laughs> you can imagine the shenanigans, if you will, that happens there. And, you know, I would suggest that if I'm on watch, the chaplain is on duty, I would suggest not dying when I'm the chaplain because your shit will get stolen is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> and it turns out that this chaplain is doing the same thing all over town. He works at other old folks' homes and has the same M.O. He's basically somehow a felon, a criminal, again, you know, typecast, Latino, that got, that got uh, pushed into this uh, being a chaplain and, and has kind of uh, worked that plan. So it's, uh, it's a, I'm, I mean, it's, it's in pre-production. We filmed it about maybe, well, we filmed it last year, uh, that's the one where I went down to Kentucky to film. It was such an amazing project, and I hope that it gets sold. Uh, I we I just saw a a sizzle reel for it. So if anybody wants to, to look <gasps> for the homework, you know, or they can DM me. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a fun project. It's such a fun project. And then the other one is something that's being filmed in Vegas with uh, with uh, Georgia Georgia Dante who. Uh, is big in the burlesque world, and she's been performing, I think, since she was like three or four years old. And when she, there's photos of her at 16, like walking around with Bob Hope, like she was a strong woman, you know, mm-hmm. so she could lift up men, and she, and there she is walking around with Bob Hope, uh, and just <laughs> the, like the who's who of comedy from, you know, 60, I think, 60 years ago. Oh wow. Oh, that's fun. So, I got a lot. Thanks, thanks I got a lot of friends in burlesque. Thanks for letting me know about that one. I didn't realize I, I was in it, so I guess I got the part. <laughs> <laughs> Your name is okay. Listen, it says on here, uh, director Georgette Dante stars, and this is the order they're listed in: stars, Dirty Martini, Paul Vato, AJ Dean. Wow, you can stop right there because as long as I'm in the top three, I'm happy. <laughs> that's what, that's it. That's all it lists for stars, uh, right up at the top. Yeah, I've got a lot of friends in burlesque, and in fact, I've hired them a lot for author events. When uh, especially if I didn't know the author well enough to know if they'd be able to hold an audience on their own, I would hire my burlesque pals to come in and either read with them or read instead of them or something or play a character. Um, <laughs> It always works so much better. You know, burlesque burlesque gals and drag queens, I can always count on them to know what to do and what not to do, how to read the room and work it. So, oh, that's amazing. That's all, 
uh, that's all things that are up my alley. Um, you know, coming from Chicago, I think there's also this rich, you know, gangster thing. And I think burlesque and gangsters and all that kind of go well together. And, uh, and uh, I think we had a place called the Baton Club. Was that in Chicago? I don't remember. But um, I remember taking a, a very straight-laced friend of ours, a friend, my friend Meg and I, and she was an my she was she was an, she's an attorney. I, I don't think she was ever really my attorney, but she was. We were friends, and uh, we took this really straight laced Irish guy, uh, <laughs> and he was very uncomfortable. And I think it was called the Baton Club, and I think it's in Chicago. I, it must have been because where else would, would this have happened? And uh, and then you know he starts knocking back a few drinks, and first he's kind of like, ah, oh, that's horrible. Like you know these are. Those are men? Like, that's no way. And then after a few drinks, he's like, he goes, that can't be a man, can it? I'm like, could be. He goes, wow, she is so hot. Like, he was using, this was 20-some years ago. He was using the proper the proper gender. He was, like, calling her she. And I was like, this guy's going to end up hooking up with one of, with one of these guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you know what's coming. You can read the writing on the uh, cocktail napkin right there, Paul Vato. Right there, right there. But I used to I have, produce my uh, show called Drag Addiction, which was she and her friend Mike Rose would cover uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. So that's when I first really kind of got into podcasting five years, five, six years ago. Yeah. Drag Addiction. I love it. All right. So, uh, and you know, of course, as RuPaul, as you know, is from Atlanta. I never knew RuPaul in Atlanta, but my husband did being a musician and they played in some of the same places. Um, he had a band then called RuPaul and Wee Wee Pole. <laughs> for all the time so uh so before i let you go i'll let you go i'll be mean, giving you any time you want but i want to make sure that people know about your podcast which is <laughs> fantastic and also where to get the paul vato cigars so your paul your your podcast is paul vato presents a celebrity centric podcast and where correct. can people see it? Uh, it is a video podcast, but it's also, of course, goes out uh, just as audio. So on your favorite platform, if you actually want to watch the video, the options are Spotify because I upload through Anchor and it uploads the video. However, I'm really enjoying just doing voice and sitting here. I'm going to be very honest with you. I know people kid around and they're like, oh, I'm not wearing pants. I, I'm wearing swimming trunks and I'm topless because I, I ha- just had an audition where I'm supposed to be in the sauna and, and I'm full of sweat. So I drenched myself in water and did this audition. So I'm sitting here uh, topless <laughs> and, uh, and it's great to just be able to use our voice. And I feel like the interaction is maybe so much smoother sometimes than, than worrying about video and things like that. But if you want to see the video, you can either, I stream it to YouTube, so in its raw form, you can see it on YouTube or Twitch, which is Paul Votto, youtube.com slash Paul Votto, twitch.com, Paul Votto actor. Uh, the easiest thing is probably to go paulvato.com or vato.tv, and then from there are the links to all my podcasts. If you're on Fireside, or if you want, if you have an iPhone and you want to download Fireside, you can also see the, the, the raw content with the video, uh, or wherever, you know, after it's on Fireside, I download it, and then I kind of chop off the, anything at the beginning that is silence or whatever, I throw in the intro, the outro, and then upload it again 
either to YouTube or to all the, you know, audio streaming, whatever your favorite is, uh, Good Pods. I'm a big fan of Good Pods as a podcasting community. Um, yeah, so so almost anywhere, if you just search Paul Votto Presents, it should come up. And it's a, it's a variety of shows. Uh, it's uh, the Super Secret Celebrity Show, which came out of a contest for Rode Microphones, which they wanted a one- to two-minute podcast. So those are super short. Uh, and it's basically me uh, talking about myself and then introducing my guests. Uh, and then as soon as they get to the good part, I cut them off and go like, well, that's all the time we have. And then they get mad or whatever, you know. Uh, so it's just a fun little podcast. <laughs> They're like, you know what, but I, what I'm really excited about is my new, uh, my, new, um, um, my new movie that's coming out. So. It comes out, and I'm like, well, that's all the time we have. And then they're like, you know, F you, Votto, you're an asshole. But why did you have it on? So that's, uh, okay. All right. That's, show. all right. All right. That's, that's so funny that I forgive you for what you just did earlier. What, you announced part? saying, I'm in, I'm in swim trunks. I'm topless. I'm 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 dampened or sprayed down or wetted down for a sauna thing. Oh, Vado, thanks for burying the lead. Okay, see that could have helped. <laughs> <laughs> Never bury the lead. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, and uh, oh, and well, it's a Cool immigration stories. There's cool immigration okay, stories, which is mm-hmm. uh, about uh, on a more serious note. It's with Dr. Erin Conrad Esquire, and she. Uh, is, is an immigration lawyer, and we we only did that one, and it was basically the John Lennon story of, and this, again, this is just a short two-minute story. Um, if it wasn't for John Lennon, there'd be no DACA. You know, people think that DACA, the, the Deferred Action Children's Program, or, you know, uh, and I don't know exactly what it's called. I should probably uh, look it up. But uh, if it was, it, you know, that program didn't come about because of Latinos and the children they brought over. It was, it was because of John Lennon. And his immigration struggle. So I think it's just a very interesting story. And then we're going to do other short ones like, you know, uh, Einstein, you know, other famous immigrants that that are basically cool immigration stories. But we'll actually, it'll be longer than a two-minute podcast. So now they'll be, you know, whatever it takes to do a deep dive on these cool immigration stories. And then, of course, my celebrity interviews. And there are a few drag addictions up there. So, so yeah, that, that's Paul Votto Presents kind of in a nutshell. All right. And by the way, because a lot of my listeners tell me that they listen when they're driving or when they're jogging or something, I want to always make sure they know that I will have the links to everything of yours, the cigars, your podcast, uh, everything Paul Vato-centric on all of my social media, and not just Madam Perry's salon, but also uh, Jennifer Modette Perry. I'll put that on my personal uh, social media as well, so you don't have to worry about writing it down while you're driving. Wonderful, wonderful. And I would love to invite you on Paul Votto Presents because you, uh, I, I think you're so great at, at what you do, and I'd like to, you know, have, expose you to other people as, as far as, you know, what, what your background is. And I have one very important question, and I don't know if I should get it answered now or because uh, okay. it's been on my mind ever since you said it. And okay. I know you're from the South, and mm-hmm. I'd like to, and we, we, don't, we don't have to answer it now, but maybe you can answer it on my podcast. Uh, you mentioned, I think there's, is, what's the difference between a beaten and a whooping? Mm, 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 mm. A whooping is more emotional. It's usually with somebody okay. you know, like your mother, 
a grandmother. Oh, got it. Yeah, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of love behind it sometimes, but it's got a lot of emotion. Uh, no one's ever it's asked me that before, me but yeah, beaten. Beaten is just to me. It's just kind of like it, it, it's, it's now. That's just sort of impersonal anger, or whatever. But a whooping, it, it matters. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna right. whoop that boy if he tracks <laughs> mud in the kitchen <laughs> one more time. Okay, that kind of thing. You track mud in the kitchen, you're gonna get a whooping. Um, don't do your homework. I get a letter from the teacher. You're getting a whooping. Something to help you remember. Got it. It doesn't got usually it, end it. up okay. in the. It doesn't. Doesn't usually require medical attention because you know that opens up a whole another set of visitors you don't want. You know what I was afraid you were going to ask me? There's a woman, uh, Beth Rudetsky. Her sister, I mean, her brother is Seth Rudetsky. Uh, has a show on Sirius about Broadway and so forth, and had a play. She, we were having a great time on. And Beth, I hope you're listening to the show. Um, she'd come on the show. She had called in for something. Uh, Beth is. A, it's fantastic. She's a writer. I like her. And then one day she messaged me and said, hey, do you eat grits? And I said, yes. And Beth, you haven't talked to me again since then. I, I, I didn't mean to uh, offend. It's just grits. It's just, uh, it's not a political statement. So that's all. That's what I thought you were going to ask me. But I would be honored. I would be so honored to uh, be a guest on your podcast. That would be that would be exceptionally cool. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I look forward to that. And if any jealous podcast hopes got a podcast host were so jealous that they took me out for a whooping out of jealousy, it would be still be an honor <laughs> whooping. It really would. So thank you so much. <laughs> you are so, much so welcome. And the, and the cigars, I'll have the information on the cigars on all of my social media. Wonderful. And uh, thank you. I just want to say uh, best of success, do Not that you need it from me, but, hey, you got it. I'm going to close out with my motto. By the way, folks, I love, love yourself. Love everybody. I love you. Uh, check out everything that Paul Votto does, and you'll see it on the links I'll be sharing. I'm going to close out with this is my song, Everybody's Got to Swing, uh, Grammy nominated. I know. I nominated it. And um, – you want to copy of the CD? Let me know. If you don't like it, keep it to yourself. Anyway, thanks, Paul Vato, and my motto: the song is "Everybody's Got to Swing." Bye bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.